0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I hear you out, I listen to your hearts, pray with your stories, and try to respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your family and friends in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. We address the messiness of life. We recognize that life isn't always really clean, that sometimes our families are messy, and there's not always going to be that easy, fill in the blank, go-to Catholic answer to our particular situations. so the purpose of the show is for me to to try to accompany you in the midst of that mess and find Jesus so that Jesus can help us discern how we can best become saints and respond to life's difficulties. Your questions can range from anything and everything from Catholic morality, church teachings, apologetics, spirituality, the prayer, lives that we seek to strive to fulfill, uh, to be intentional with Jesus. And everything else. Uh, I will attempt to answer about three to five questions per episode. And here's a disclaimer though I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every now and then. I try to speak from the heart of the church and from my relationship with Christ, but every now and then uh, I'm not gonna be able to exhaust uh, the answer to the question. And so I might say something more or less than I, I, I should. So if that ever happens, I sincerely apologize. I'll be able to clear that up in future episodes. Uh, but I will do my best as a priest, as a pastor and as your friend to, to help you become the greatest saint that you could potentially be. If you're a first-time listener, shoot me an email. Shoot me an email with your questions, with your feedback on today's episode. And feel free to include a question for a future show. Uh, my email is askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us. Please do this. Rate us and review us on iTunes, which helps other people discover the show and see what it's all about. If it's helpful to you, it might be helpful to them. If what I say is not helpful to you, then be free to disregard it. Right? Don't allow me to, to put in something extra on you if it's not really going to be good for you. But if it is helpful to you, then spend time with it, ponder it, Pray with it and allow it to be a gift to you and your relationship with, with Christ. On today's show, we've got a lot of questions that we're going to um, jump into. And so what are the topics for today's show? Today's show topics are, when is it okay to let go of a friendship? You only know you love it when you let it go. Hey, whoa. But you let it go. Oh, whoa, whoa. Remember that song? Ah, oh, that was the jam. It was such a depressing song too, though. There's some music. It's so depressing. And I, I, I'm thinking, man, I got to put on... Old school Whitney Houston to make myself feel good again. St. Whitney Houston. Uh, Also, the next question is, why do we baptize babies? Uh, Babies, babies, babies. Oh, why do we baptize babies, babies, babies? That's another old school jam for those of you who recognize and identify yourself as millennials. And also, what is the purpose of purgatory if you've already been to confession? These are your confessions. Just when you thought everything you said was taken care of. Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, so we're going to talk about those questions. And before we do that, I want to share with you an amazing glory story that happened to me recently. You may be wondering, hey, when does Father Josh record these podcasts? So typically... I like to record podcasts in the morning first thing in the morning, because that's when the least distractions happen in my life, uh, early in the morning. So I come in the studio, get my coffee. I like my coffee, uh, to be half black, half white with, you know, some, some good tasty stuff in it too as well. So I like my coffee to look just like me. It's Brown, right? Don't like it too black, not too white, but just right Brown. And, um, and, you know, just like Jesus too, right? <laughs> so I have my coffee, I'm sipping on my coffee and I'm recording podcasts. But recently I, I was trying to record this particular podcast and just some unexpected things happen also in the morning, which typically doesn't happen, but it does every now and then. So I wasn't able to record then. So I went about, did some some ministry I wasn't expecting to do. And then I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to record this podcast at night. Well, after mass, I had a house bus, After house and came back here, wrapped up some stuff, administration-wise stuff in the office, came to record the podcast, and then I got a, a phone call that someone was about to die. And so I'm thinking, no, like this is what I was created for. I don't have time to record a podcast right now. I'm a priest. So the podcast can wait. And so as I was going to my car, I began to talk to Jesus about this, this unexpected event, this person preparing for death. And the scripture that came to me as I began to talk to Jesus was John 17, where Jesus was praying to his father. And he said, Father, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And it just hit me like, whoa, like, Lord, this is the work you've created me to do. You've created me to be a priest for the sacraments, not a priest for a podcast. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy this community that we're having with each other in this podcast, but I was created to help people prepare for eternity, to help people become saints, uh, and so it was such a gift to be able to go and spend time with this person and their family and pray with all of them. And the person was so holy and and the person received the sacraments. And I just I'm so grateful for that, for the Lord allowing me to be with people in those intimate moments in their life. And so I ended up wrapping that up. And, and whenever whenever I, I, I left, I went home and I prayed some more. And it just, once again, it hit me. Man, this is so great. This is so great to be a priest. I'm so grateful that I was able to accomplish the work, Father, that you gave me to do. And that's that's a prayer I try to say often. Like Whenever I finish up Mass, I always try to remember to say, Father, I've accomplished the work you gave me to do because it's a specific work for me as a priest, is the sacraments. And so I want to encourage you to to reflect today on what is the work that God called you to do? And at the end of each night, maybe, try to say that prayer with Jesus. Let Jesus pray those words through you and, and then discern, can, can I pray those words with Jesus right now? Or, or did I not accomplish the work today that God wanted me to do depending on my particular place I'm in in this season of my life? like What is the work that is specific for me to do for the kingdom of God? Because there is a work for you and for me because we are necessary members of the body of Jesus Christ. So that is my, my glory story. I hope you and enjoyed it. Now, before we jump into today's questions about the friendship, about baptism, about purgatory, I want to respond to some questions, some comments that came In recently, we are checking out all of your emails that you're sending. Keep sending them. We're reading them. We're adding them to our question bank, so we will get to them in the future. And I'm also really digging your comments that you have about the shows. We have two comments that came in recently, one from episode two on natural family planning and one from episode four on Pope Francesco. Uh, Here's a comment from Courtney from episode two. Uh, Concerning natural family planning and contraception, Courtney wrote this. NFP, y'all. She said NFP saved her marriage. Natural family planning saves her marriage. This is huge. This is something we should pay attention to. If you're having some struggles in your in your marriage, p- potentially uh, this is something you might want to pay attention to. Maybe it might be helpful to you. It might not be. But she and her husband, they contracepted for many years. And after they heard a homily at mass, they decided to just try natural family planning out. And using NFP, she said, saved her marriage. In her email, Courtney wrote that a lot of people are misinformed about natural family planning. I agree with you 100%, Courtney. Uh, and she said a lot of people equate it just with the rhythm method, but it's so much more. You're right, Courtney. It is so much more than just the rhythm method, which is cool, but there's, there's more. There's the Creighton fertility care method. There's the Thermo method. There's all these other cool methods that you can Google, you can check out. Uh, and that can really help you potentially in your, in your relationships as well. And she also wrote that she and her husband now share the gift of national family planning with engaged couples in her diocese. Praise God. Uh, A few points that we can learn from, from Courtney is that um, number one, uh, it was a priest. It was a priest at mass who preached about this that inspired her and her husband to try it. So for all my brother priests out there, uh, don't shy away. I want to encourage you to not shy away from from sharing different gifts even when it's uncomfortable to talk about certain things certain topics you're like i don't know how to say that well pray for the gifts of tongues to communicate it well and with prudence to not cross any lines but talk about these things that people don't know like she didn't know about nfp for so long until this priest preached about it and so uh, if you're not a priest you can talk about it if if you've done nfp share your story share your witness at work uh, in the neighborhood because we never know what we share, how it can affect people and their relationship with each other and their relationship, most importantly, with God. Now, the point is don't knock it till you try it. Some people think I would never try NFP. I would never like, nah, that's, that sounds like too much work. Why don't you just try it? It's like Nike, just do it and and, and see if it works for you and for your family. Um, And, and then also really cool glory story with NFP. Thing I could share is, is is years ago when I was doing marriage prep, I always invite my couples that I do marriage prep with to to do a specific uh, national family planning course. My youth minister, she is a trained actually as a Creighton fertility care specialist, and so she teaches women how to chart and how to check their cycles and all this other cool stuff. But there was a girl I was walking with, and and she was struggling with like depression, and so I asked her, I said, well, well, when did you start feeling depressed? And she said, when I was like thirteen. and I said, okay, um, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, did did you get on the pill at thirteen? She was contracepting, um, and she said, yeah, that's when I started to get on the pill, you know, for acne and some other things like that. And I said, do you think that there's a connection with you taking the pill and you experiencing that that depression? And she said, I don't know. I said, well, how about you just try getting off the pill for a while and see what happens? And crazy story, y'all. She got off the pill and she was no longer depressed. All right, so that's that's um, you know a pretty cool glory story just about how contraception isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Some of those pills are a lot more dangerous than we think. And so we might want to rethink, rethink what we are putting into our bodies. Another question came in or comment came in about Pope Francis uh, asking me if I can clarify papal infallibility from episode four. And is it just um, limited to the Pope speaking uh, ex cathedra? And so that's also a, a great question. The Pope's, Infallibility is not limited to him just speaking ex cathedra, uh, that means from the chair of Peter, uh, which he has certainly, Pope Francis at least, has certainly not done in in any newspaper interviews or airplane interviews. So sometimes people lose their mind, oh my goodness, the Pope said this. So a reporter says he said, which in fact he probably really did not say, but sometimes people, they kind of lose their mind. Oh no, I heard the Pope said this. Guess what? An airplane interview is not the chair of Peter. Uh, A newspaper interview is not the chair of Peter, but also infallibility uh, is applied to when the bishops as a whole uh, in doctrinal unity with the Pope, they solemnly teach a doctrine as true and an infallible pronouncement. Uh, So whether this is made by the Pope alone or by an ecumenical council, it is usually with regards to when a doctrine has been called into question, why do we believe that this infallibility is a real thing? Because Jesus said it in Luke chapter 10, verse 16. He said, he who hears you, hears me. And in Matthew eighteen, eighteen, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So it's uh, it's a gift from Jesus because Jesus does not want us to be led astray. He wants it to be very clear for us in our walk toward heaven with him. So those are some comments. Keep the comments coming uh, and, and let's continue to accompany each other toward heaven to become saints, hopefully. Now, let's go ahead and get started for the show. Our first question is about baptism. So this question comes in from Jess. Jess says this, how do I explain to a Protestant why we baptize our children when they are babies and not when they are older? Because people say, you know, Jesus was baptized when he was older, so, so why don't we baptize babies when they're older? And sometimes I say this, well, you know, we get confirmed when we're older as a confirmation of our baptism, but I'm not sure how to properly explain it. And your responses are always so BAM, B-A-M all in caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Thank you, Jess, uh, for for saying that my responses are are BAM, whatever that means. But I, I think that's cool. So Jess, great, great, great question. All right. So check this out. So in the Old Testament, Wait, what's that? There's another song that just came to my mind. Do you remember you hovered? Oh, that's Audrey's side. In the beginning, yo, you hovered over the waters. (laughs) Yeah, so that has nothing to do with this topic, but that's how my mind works. So back in the Old Testament, that's where we got to start from. It's back in the day when we were in the Old Testament, uh, we had this. We had this thing called a covenant relationship with God. And a baby, an eight. Eight-day-old baby boy was brought into a covenant relationship with God based on his parents' faith. And the way that he was brought to this covenant relationship with God was via circumcision, right? He was circumcised. And after he was circumcised, that was his way to come into a relationship with God. It was based on his parents' faith. He did not make the decision himself. It was the parents who did it. He was not of the age of reason. He was eight days old. All right, so uh, that was the Old Testament. St. Paul then writes this. In the New Testament, he says, we no longer have to be circumcised because we are Baptized. Paul says that baptism has replaced circumcision in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. In that passage, he refers to baptism as the circumcision of Christ and the circumcision made without hands. And then Peter also, he went on to explain what happens. at baptism. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, but then check this out the next verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and then going to 39, he says, For the promise is to you and to your children, to all that are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls. The promise is to you and your children as well. Jesus said in the scriptures, let the children come to me. Whenever Peter baptized people in the New Testament, it says he baptized them and their entire household, which would include their their babies. God never denied children being involved in his covenant relationship. And so why would he now? But we don't just have the scriptures to, to, to go to for this. We also have the early church fathers. Right? These are the Christians who, who spoke and who wrote before the Bible was even put together as a canon of scripture in the New Testament, right? So this is what St. Irenaeus of Lyon, of, so, so St. Irenaeus, dude's last name is Lyons, or lion of lions. not last name, it's of where he's from. So like, my name is Father Josh Johnson, but back in the day, y'all would have said, Father Josh of Johnson, just joking, Father Josh of Baton Rouge. So- but years for years, I struggled with St. Irenaeus. I was like, is his name of Lyons or is it Lyons? I think it sounds, it's like Target or Target, right? Uh, if you are, like some people say Target, if you're just like, you know, normal, you say tarjé. if you are Sididi. So I'm going to be Sididi right now and say St. Irenaeus of Lyon, Lyon. He wrote in the year, check this out, 189 AD, 189. One more time, 189, y'all. That's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. That is years, years before the Protestant revolt, which was in the 1500s. This is years before the split, the little breakup that the Catholic Church and Orthodox had in, in the, what was it, year 1000 or something like that. This is a long time ago. He said this in year 189, for he came to save all through himself, all I say, who through him are born again to God, infants, children. Boys, youth, and old. This is what he said in the year 189. Then check this out. The year 215, St. Hippolytus of Rome wrote, The children shall be baptized first. Who? The children. Remember that song, Mike Jones, who? Mike Jones. So St. Hippolytus says, The children, who? The children, who? The children should be baptized first. All the children who can answer for themselves, let them answer. But if there are any children who cannot answer for themselves, let their parents answer for them or someone else from their family. Whoa, that is from the year 215. All right, that's a long time ago. So clearly, in the early church, children and babies, infants were receiving the sacraments back in the day. All right, so this is nothing new. This has been happening. Uh, now, as far as the confirmation point in your question, confirmation is is, is not us confirming that, uh, well, we're adults now, so we want to confirm what happened at baptism ourselves. Confirmation is a sacrament in and of itself. I call it the most misunderstood sacrament ever. Uh, but basically, it's where we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it's, it's more than just like a, a Catholic version of an altar call. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit that you receive at confirmation that you're able to then use to help other people become saints in their walk toward eternity. So what do you guys think? Do you have any additional advice for Jess? If you do write me at Josh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final questions. All right, and we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can record a voice note, and you can send that to me as well. We will play it on the show in the future. Also, don't forget, please rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show. All right, on to our last two questions. Our second question comes from Amy. She says this, when is it okay to let go of a friendship? Friends... How many of us have them friends? I don't know the rest of the lyrics to that song, but it was that was a good song. I don't I don't care what anybody says. You know what? I hope it was a good song. I don't remember the lyrics. I'm assuming it was a good song. How about you check it out on YouTube and you write me at, at com and let me know. I'm pretty sure it was pretty good though. I don't remember fully though. So there I go. So. That's a great question, Amy. I've, um, it's a kind of generic question. When is it okay to let go of a friendship? And so maybe you can write me also another question about friendship so I can be more specific. So I'm going to generically and very generally speak about uh, when it's okay to let go of friendships. Uh, but it, it's such an important topic, right? Friendships are so important. why are they important? Because Jesus had friends. If we're called to imitate Christ, then it's it's something good and beautiful to have good friendships. Jesus clearly was intentional with a group of people, the 12 apostles, and he was super rooted in three people, Peter, James, and John. He had a friendship with Mary, with Martha, with Lazarus. So there was a number of friendships that Jesus Christ cultivated during his time here 2,000 years ago. St. John Paul the Great was friends with Mother Teresa, and David in the Old Testament was friends with Jonathan. Friendship is super important, and so it's not something that we should take light and in the scriptures speak about friendship as well and how it's a gift. And if you have one good friend, man in life, then you should consider yourself blessed. I I, I love my friends. I, I'm so grateful for my friends uh, that I have. And especially as a priest, it's very helpful to have people that I do have in my life. Um, shout out to my best friend, Jesus. He is a, he's 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 awesome. So basically, when is it OK to let go of friendship? I would say this. There are typically not. this could be. An answer like a whole show dedicated, but I'm gonna break it down to three things. There's three kinds of friendships. There's in general. There's this is way deeper than this. So please, like we can not exhaust this question. So don't uh call me a heretic. But three kinds of friendship. Uh, one of use, one of convenience, and then the best kind is intentional virtue was friendships. So of use. And these these aren't bad either. Uh it could be bad potentially, but uh, it's not necessarily bad. So friendship of use, what's that look like? Well there are some people who we're friends with because we use them because of what they provide for us, right? I have a barber who I go see and I'm very friendly with my barber and we talk and we share things with each other because my barber provides a service for me and I provide money for my barber. So our friendship is, is that he uses me for my money. I use him for haircuts, right? So we use each other for that. So it's not a bad thing. I'm not objectifying anybody. I'm just, it's The friendship is based on how we are using each other, right? So it's not the worst thing, but it's also not the highest level of friendship. Uh, Then there's friends of convenience. So friendship of convenience are people who might be friends because they work together. It's just convenient, right? Or they go to school together, or they are involved in the same ministry or something like that. So it's because of, uh, you know, next to our neighbors, friendship of convenience. If I was not your neighbor, we probably would not be friends. But because we're neighbors, we hang out with each other. We go to each other's barbecues. We have wine every now and then, our coffee in the morning together. It's a friendship of convenience. When I was in seminary, I had a lot of friends of convenience because we were all in seminary together, but they weren't necessarily always all people who I would continue to walk with the rest of my priesthood. The best kind of friendship, though, is friendship of virtue. Those friends that call us to be the the best person that we can be in our walk toward eternity. Those friends that draw us closer to God, that draw us closer to the person, Jesus Christ. So when is it okay to let go of friendships of use, friendships of convenience, friendships of virtue? Uh, Well, I would say there's three responses to this as well. The first thing is seasonal, right? Friendships of use are typically seasonal. My barber in middle school was not my barber in high school, who's not my barber in college, who then is now, I have different barbers, since I've been ordained and in different parishes in the priesthood, right? They're seasonal. We come and we go, we enter into each other's lives and then seasonally we just change. Um, the person who I wrote in their yearbook in, in middle school, we're going to be best friends forever. I I've, I, don't, I haven't seen that person in probably what, 15, 20 years now. So t- I don't think we're we're best friends forever, right? So you think sometimes, I mean, this person is going to be my best friend, but not in reality, they're not. So, Sometimes friendships are just simply seasonal. There wasn't a bad break. There wasn't anything wrong with you or the other person. It was just that that friend was supposed to be in your life for a season and that season comes and goes and it might come back again. This can also happen with regards to our state of life vocations. When you get married, you might move to a different state. Therefore, you're not going to be in contact with somebody you were very close to at one point in your life. Seasonal friendships not a bad thing. They come, they go. Um, sometimes we we grasp too much and we treat friendships like it's a marriage. It's not a marriage. We are called to be um, open to that person coming and going as God wills for our greatest good. Uh, also, another reason when we let friendships go, not only do the seasons of life change, but also sometimes people's personalities change and they can go from being very life-giving people to life-draining. Right? They can become uh, too attached. They can become possessive of us. They can become someone who every time I hang out with them, we just feel so empty. Like, oh man, I'm exhausted. I th- this is not clearly not good for me. If that's the case for you and your friends right now, then it's okay to to back away, to take a break if it's draining you. Uh, at the same time, uh, if it's life giving, then I would say prioritize that that friendship. It's it's a good thing for for you potentially. Uh, but then also another reason why we would give let friendships go, whether it's for a season or whatever, is because they are drawing us further away from God. That's that's the ultimate one. And this can also happen in different seasons. There are friends in my life who at one point drew me close to God, and then another season came, and they began to draw me away from God. And so when that happened, I had to take a break. I did not ignore that friend. I did not stop talking to that friend. I just wasn't as intentional with my time with that friend. Because this person was no longer drawing me to Jesus. This person was, in fact, drawing me further and further away from God. So whether it's through um, bad things that we know we shouldn't do, whether it's sinful things, gossip, whatever, uh, it's just check the friendship. Is this friendship helping me become a saint or is it taking me away from Jesus who helps me become the saint I'm called to be? Friendship is a great gift, y'all. It's super important. Um, And so these are some of the reasons why I think it would be helpful Uh, In our walk toward eternity to either maintain that friendship or or be open to letting it go. Uh, Is the person draining me or they give me life? Is this person a seasonal friend? Um, Is this person drawing me closer to God or is this person drawing me further and further away from my God? Hopefully not. Okay, hopefully that was helpful. Send me some more questions about friendship, though, because I think it's it's one of those topics that's super important. Uh, It causes a lot of drama in our lives, and it would be helpful if I can get some more specifics on your desires when it comes to friendship, which is this great gift from God for us. Final question. Final question comes from Ann. Ann says this. When we go to confession, these are my confessions. Just when I thought I said everything I could say. Anne wrote me this question, and she said, "When we go to confession and receive absolution, God not only forgives our sins, but He forgets them as well. That is true. That's fact. Good job, Anne. If though He forgets our sin, how does He know what sins we must atone for in purgatory for those who go there? So why, like, why are we still having sins to atone for when He forgave them, forgot about them? So first of all, I think it's important to." to to examine what do we believe about purgatory? And why do we believe in purgatory? Because you know what? Guess what? The word purgatory is not in the Bible. Well, also, guess what else is not in the word Bible? The word Bible is not in the Bible. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Pretty much most Christians, like mainline Christians, believe in the Trinity, I hope and pray, right? Um, There's churches named Trinity, whatever. But guess what? That word Trinity is not in the Bible. So what's up with purgatory? This word that is not in the Bible. But it is, guess what? Described. Purgatory is straight up described in the sacred scriptures. The book of Revelation says this, nothing unclean will enter into heaven. Revelation 21, 27. That's what St. John writes. Nothing unclean shall enter heaven. So there's heaven and hell. When you die, you either go to hell, you go to heaven. If you go to heaven, then there's this place called purgatory, or this, this, this uh, place, that's a strong word. There is this experience called purgatory, <laughs> this phase at the gates of heaven where we are purified. We are made cleansed. We are made clean. Because nothing that is unclean can enter into heaven because everything, everyone in heaven is perfect. It's perfect. Christ refers to the sinner who would not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come, Matthew 12, 32. So there's forgiveness that happens on this side of heaven. And then even more forgiveness happens as we're being purified in purgatory on our way to becoming saints in the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus Christ desires for all of us to be saints we have to cooperate with his grace, though, to make his desire happen. Right? Some of us can reject that and choose hell instead. But if we choose heaven, if we choose to be intentional with Jesus, most of us outside of babies who are baptized and die or you know, martyrs or whatever, uh, most of us have to experience this, this great gift. We not have to. We get to experience this great gift of purgatory where Christ applies his purifying redemption to us from the cross. All right. And so, again, reconciliation, the sacrament of reconciliation. Jesus said in John 20, verse 21 through 23, as the Father sent me, even so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Sacrament of reconciliation, clearly also in the sacred scriptures. So the sacrament of reconciliation, it does this. It remits the eternal punishment due to sin, but it does not always remit the temporal punishment which God requires as satisfaction for our sins. The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches this in 1496 about the sacrament of reconciliation and what it does. Spiritual effects of penances are this. Reconciliation with God, by which the penitent recovers grace. Okay, next point. Reconciliation with the church. Remember, we're members of the body of Christ. And any time that we, we choose to, to sin, we we injure our relationship with our brothers and sisters who are also members of the church, a.k.a. members of the body of Jesus Christ. Next point, remission of eternal punishment and cure by mortal sins. Next point, and here's where we get to your, your question. Remission, at least in part, of temporal punishments resulting from sin. And then also a bunch of other cool things like peace, serenity of conscience, increase of spiritual strength in the Christian battle. So confession does not remit all temporal punishment due to sin. Right? So there's that's fulfilled through prayer, through fasting, almsgiving, spiritual works of mercy, indulgences, patient suffering on our own crosses on this side of heaven. Purgatory fulfills, right? It fulfills that which we um, need to be satisfied to become saints. So it's a gift. It's Jesus saying, I want you so bad that I'm going to apply my graces even after death to continue to perfect you from those temporal things. What's what's the easy way to explain this, I guess? Easy way to explain it is recently, not recently, years ago, uh, about eight years ago, in fact, nope, mm -mm, seven years ago, I was in Florida with one of my buddies and he was a priest and I was a seminarian at the time and we were driving his mama's car. I was driving his mama's car. And I was backing up her car. And at this time in history, the those backup screens in your car, they just came out, I think, because I never saw one in my life. And I was so enamored by it. I was like, man, look at that. That I could see the car right behind me. I didn't realize how close the car right behind me was, though. So as I was backing out in the parking lot, looking at this computer screen, I ended up running right into this car that was parked. Y'all, a parked car. Ran into it. Wrecked it. Right? Crashed into a parked car, damaged my boy's mama's car. Oh man, it was so embarrassing. I mean, imagine how bad of a driver I must be if I'm wrecking into parked cars in a church parking lot. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty bad. Anyways, long story short, I apologized. I straight up said, I'm sorry. I mean, it was like a Justin Bieber concert. Uh, How did that song go? I'm sorry because I'm yeah so anyways I said I was sorry I apologized she forgave me but guess what I still had to pay her some money I still had to help to 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 make up for that which I did and so until I paid the money uh, it wasn't fully reconciled right and so and she also you know definitely helped out with that she was super generous just like God is super generous he gave He gave us more than we really deserve, but we still have to play our part, right? And so that's kind of what happens in purgatory is there's still, even though we go to confession and get forgiveness and all the other jazz, we reconcile with the Lord. There's still something more that we have to pay there, right? And he takes care of that in purgatory. He takes care of that. He's giving us his grace. He's doing his thing as he's always doing. So that pretty much wraps up the show today. Regardless of circumstances, here are some universal points that we can take away from today's questions. Universal point drawn from from baptism is that this God desires us. God desires us even as babies. God wants to give us his gifts. He doesn't want us to wait to receive those gifts that he has in store for us until we're older. God wants to give us gifts right, right now, wherever we're at. So whether you're uh one or two or three or, or, or 90, God has gifts in store for you, for me, for us, and our walk toward eternity, and there's nothing we can do to earn these gifts. He just wants to give them to us. A universal point drawn from friendship is, is that don't, don't stress over this, right? Friendships come and friendships go. The ultimate goal is to, to walk side by side, ultimately toward eternity, and if God calls you to separate for a while, it's okay. Jesus Christ is sufficient. Jesus Christ is enough. He's our best friend anyway. He's the only friend that's always going to be there no matter what. He's the friend that's going to be constant now and forever. And universal point drawn from purgatory is there's always more grace to receive. There's always more. Do not settle for like, oh, man, I've got all the grace on this side of heaven. No, the Lord has even more in store for us. So be open to that. Be open to the gift that the Lord has for us in our walk with him. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, we thank you for coffee. Ah, I just, I love coffee so much. Jesus, we thank you for coffee and we thank you for water and we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us to help sustain us, to help keep us focused when we spend time with you in prayer, to help us be focused when we spend time with you and the people that you present before us in the body of Christ. Please give us the graces that we need to be attentive to the ways in which you are inviting us to become saints in our walk toward eternity. We ask this prayer. Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. So that's it for today's show. God bless, and I cannot wait to be with you next week. Don't forget, shoot me your questions at Ask Father Josh at AscensionPress.com.